Everyone has questions. Why am I here? Where will I go when I die? Is there really truth? But not everyone has biblical answers. Welcome to The Pastor Study, a ministry of pastorstudy.org. Join us now as we study the Bible to draw closer to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Here is Pastor Tom Brock. Welcome to The Pastor's Study. Today we're going to do a program on being a Christian in post-Christian America. And I want to introduce our guest, Tom Pritchard. Hi, Tom. Hi, Tom. Tom Pritchard has been on the front lines of fighting the culture wars for many years. He's been a Christian lobbyist for many years, working with the legislature here in Minneapolis. So he knows this issue. So we're glad to have you, Tom. And let's ask the first question. When people say America was a Christian nation, is that true? Well, I think you first have to ask, what is a Christian nation? And I think there's a number of ways you can define that. One is legally, do our documents say we are a Christian nation or you have to be a Christian to be a member of this country? Or culturally, have uh, the values and the beliefs of society been Christian? Or are the people of this nation Christian? And I would say that culturally, historically, we've been a Christian nation, that the values, uh, large majorities of the people would identify with Christianity. Mm -hmm. But I think like eighty percent at least when just yeah I think today it's even up around seventy percent but I think if you start looking at the values the beliefs the institutions of society I think we're uh, aggressively moving away from we are. a sense of a Christian nation. So technically legally we have never been a Christian country. No, there's nothing in our founding documents. Saying but culturally, that. yes, I think culturally it's formed our institutions, the values of our nation. Now, is Christian present is America present tense? A Christian nation? Well, I think you see vestiges of that in, in our laws and other things, but I think increasingly you're seeing a hostility towards Christianity yeah. in many parts of the media, and uh, a lot of the institutions are educational institutions, yeah. and now you're seeing it in the government, the laws uh, attacking people who have uh, Christian values. People, and this is going before the Supreme Court, this, this what, uh, a baker that lost his business and was a Colorado because he wouldn't do a yeah. gay wedding cake. So Christians now are losing their jobs for their beliefs. Yeah, it's it's increasingly transitioned away from a, a Christian foundation. And, and as you pointed out, there's a lot of legal issues now where people who are acting on their Christian beliefs. I mean, if you look at our laws, I mean, the redefinition of marriage, uh, the protection of the unborn, some of the things the Supreme Court's doing, what I would say would be strongly antagonistic to a Christian. Group. All right, let me ask you this. A tragic thing, an ELCA Lutheran pastor has a 10-year-old boy. The boy thinks he's a girl. So now they put a dress on him, call him Judy. They had a special time during the worship service where they renamed him as a girl for the rest of his, her life. Here's the question. They send Judy, who's a boy, to school in a dress. A Christian teacher can't bring herself to call him a boy and put him in the boy's line instead of the girl's line. Will she lose her job over that now? Well, I don't know all the legal implications of that, but I think that's indicative of the transition that's going on in our society, that uh, the whole area of sexuality is up for grabs as to what it is. Uh, what's it mean to be a man and a woman? Uh, yeah, I think that's just indicative of what's going on in the culture, society. Right. Well, uh, so that's the direction we're going. Uh, 
now that we live in a post-Christian, that means after-Christian America, what, do you have any advice on what Christians should do? Uh, how do we maintain our faith in the midst of all this? How do we reach our lost culture for Christ? What are your thoughts? Well, I think, I think a number of things. I think we have to first change our mindset. Um, I think a lot of people operate under the idea that the society is primarily Christian. You know, as we pointed out, 70% of Americans probably would identify as Christian. But there is a survey by, done by George Barnum who actually asked people if they subscribe to traditional biblical understandings of the Bible as the Word of God, man's sinfulness, salvation through Christ alone. And the resurrection of Christ. The resurrection, all those things. And it's less than 10% of the American people would subscribe to a Christian worldview. So it's kind of a Christian by name only culture. Yeah, it's, it's a cultural thing. Well, I was born and I was baptized and I may never have gone to church again, mm -hmm. but well, I must be a Christian. Mm -hmm. but, um, but so I, th I think people need to understand that, that that's the society we live in. That so not to pretend it's 1950 anymore. Right, and I think that's what's disorienting for a lot of people as well. This is the way it is. We are a Christian nation. Well, you know, in practice, that's not true anymore necessarily. Yeah. So I, I think people have to change their mindset, and that's a real difficult thing to do, especially if you've been raised in the culture of society and realizing that things are much, much different than they used to be. Okay. So I, th I think that's the first thing is to change our understanding. To get rid of the nostalgia of a Christian America. Yeah, no, I think there's a lot of things we uh, should embrace and acknowledge in our heritage as a nation, but realizing where we're at now requires us to take a different perspective. Um, I, and I think, uh, I think it's affected the church. The church has kind of what I would call an attractional mindset. We're going to attract people to church. You know, ch people will just naturally come to church. That's not the case anymore. I mean, especially among millennials, it's a very small fraction. I I've seen estimates now that maybe 15 to 20 percent of the American people would go to church on a typical Sunday morning. I've seen surveys higher than that, but other people have actually gone in and done surveys of what people are doing on a Sunday morning and maybe only 15, 20%. So um, people aren't naturally going to come to church anymore. All right, so, so if, if we're not going to do the attractional model where we're expecting church people to show up at our attractive church, how do we reach our culture for Christ? Well, I think, I think that's where it comes in, something they talk about, a missional mindset. Okay. We have to realize, just like a missionary who goes overseas, um, has to have a mindset, understand the culture in which he lives, the values, the beliefs, really understand and get to know the people in the culture he's going to. Well, that's kind of where Christians are in America. They have to understand what the values, the beliefs of the predominant ethos in the culture are, you know, kind of the, the elites who are in some respects kind of radically secular in their mindset. And so I think we have to understand the culture in which you live. And we have to see ourselves, each one of us, as a missionary in, mm -hmm. in our own way. That mm -hmm. that needs to be our mindset. And that's really the scriptural understanding. God is a missional God. He's out to reach and reclaim and save a world. And I think we have to have that mindset regarding our neighbors, people at work, uh, you know, our family members. We have to have a different mindset. And I think it, it's being missional in, in terms of uh, loving people, uh, blessing people, uh, you know, meeting people's needs. And I think at that point, that's when it, people are open to hearing the gospel. And I think, unfortunately, we've gone the other way. We think 
Christians, well, you have to present the four spiritual laws to somebody, kind of beat them over the head with it. And that just really turns people off. And so, okay. frankly, I think there's a lot of antagonism towards Christianity for a couple reasons. One is I think Christians probably haven't always been the best witness. They're viewed as angry, bitter sometimes, not all Christians certainly, mm -hmm. but sometimes. Mm -hmm. So I think that's part of the problem. And also I think there's an antagonism because um, Christianity, I mean, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. We don't make up the rules. We don't decide how we're going to live and operate in the world. Uh, you know, Jesus says, lay down your life, come follow me. So and, some of the and a lot of people don't want to do that. Right. And some of the antagonism we get as the church is the antagonism Jesus got. Yeah, yeah. Clearly, he, he said you're going to be hated. You're going to get it. But I think we have to just have to be careful that we're not being hated because we're being stupid. Right. <laughs> I mean, we're not Westboro Baptist holding up signs saying yeah. God hates fags. On the other hand, Tom, it's been my experience, even when you lovingly, humbly, gently share that Jesus is the only way to salvation, that marriage is for a man and a woman, sex outside of marriage is a sin, even if you do it g gently and humbly with some people, any disagreement with them, you're a hate-filled bigot. Mm -hmm. You got this with all of some of your law. Can, can, do you mind just explaining, with all your years at the Minnesota uh, legislature. Minnesota is a liberal state if you're watching this in Alabama. With all the stuff you went through lobbying for Christian values at the legislature, what was that like? You know, I, I felt that um, I, I intentionally didn't try to be inflammatory in mm -hmm. the way I communicated my beliefs. And I, I think people generally respected me. I mean, they, okay. some of them deeply probably disagreed with me. <laughs> but I, I tried to treat people, everybody with respect mm -hmm. and not make it personal. Yes. And in the legislative process, um, you know, sometimes even with legislators, your friends, you may be working with them on one issue in the morning and opposing in the afternoon. So there's a need, uh, it's a natural dynamic where you, you can't personalize the issues or you're not going to be effective in the legislature. That's a, that's a good, and you know what I learned from my, when I was in a liberal ELC, I wasn't liberal, but when I was in the liberal ELC Lutheran Church, the one thing I learned from my liberal bishops at the conventions, he who keeps his cool wins the day. Mm -hmm. And these bishops, I would disagree with them very much, but I would be humble, but so would they, and we would have our say. And I think that's a key. You know, some pastors on either side of the fence can just be so hostile and angry and bitter. I, I think we all need to pray, swallow your feelings, and be as polite as pie. Yeah, and, you know, and another thing I think we need to do as Christians is reach out to people um, at their basic point of need and, and relationally, uh, you know, helping the poor, the less fortunate. And I think that is going to be an enormous witness, uh, helping people reaching out. And I think, unfortunately, you know, in American society, we tend to isolate ourselves, mm -hmm. whether it's in the suburbs or, or wherever, uh, or in our Christian community. We just relate. We have to ask how much of our churches now do we spend all our time in church? Do we have friends who aren't in our church? So we need to get out there. Yeah, and I think, unfortunately, we spend, you know, three, four nights a week, some people at church. Well, yeah. that's, that's not engaging the culture in the world. When you were locked in battle at the legislature on these issues, did you ever see people come around to the other side, ever? Oh, it's hard to say. Um, I, I think I found a, we dealt with a lot of hot social moral issues. And a lot of those issues became so politicized that people are entrenched. Yeah, they immediately went to one side or another and 
kind of rational debate discussion really didn't Out enter the, the question because they became so politicized yeah. that you know if you're a conservative or liberal you automatically defaulted one way or another so there wasn't a lot of move and that was a frustration because you really couldn't engage in a well, lot of you know I'll tell you God bless Tom Pritchard because he would go to Carleton College a rather hotbed of liberalism <laughs> and he would go and he'd present his view on homosexuality the marriage abortion and you would do it rather you would see if it was me I'd, I'd lose sleep having to do that you just kind of went down there and did your thing politely and and I, I will say this Tom there was a liberal Lutheran pastor who became a conservative years ago and joined us when we would go to these liberal conventions and I asked him what converted you and he said I'd come to these conventions every year and I would just listen to your little group of pastors and because we were polite at the microphone and he said you started to make sense and it, it I don't think that happens very often but I think lovingly humbly speaking the truth eventually pays off yeah mm -hmm. all right so you think all right in, because America is now post-christian we can't just expect people to be attracted to our church we need to get into the culture we need to have non-christian friends what else does the church need to do to reach our lost culture? Well, I, I think we have to get back to the basics. I think the, the scriptures uh, in relationship and community, uh, discipleship, uh, I think those are things we have to go. And I think the importance, the power of the Holy Spirit is really important in a mm -hmm. person's life that one is... Uh, realizing that as you look at the book of Acts, you know, the role that the Holy Spirit plays is important, I think, in people's lives. Uh, you know, and I, and I think if we look at our churches, you know, uh, you know, quote, more liberal churches are in decline, but even the conservative churches. Yeah. And a lot of people are just transferring between churches, church hopping. Yeah. And I think that's indicative of the fact that we're, we're still kind of attractionally motivated in, or inward focused and we're not really looking outside well, so I think I think that's something we have to as and I think the church the way it functions that we have to understand each of us as kind of the priesthood of believers that each of us is called to be a minister in our workplace in our homes schools. in our neighborhood schools yeah. and uh, and it's not just the pastor. We don't just pay the professional church staff. Do you think Christians should have their kids in public schools for the sake of witness? Or is that so hostile for the sake of the kids, you homeschool them? What do you think? Well, I think each parent's going to have to make that call and they have to realize, uh, you know, I don't think you, in a sense, sacrifice your kids for the sake of, quote, being a witness. Mm -hmm. Because oftentimes kids just get pulled into that, and parents are so busy they're not investing. I know some parents who have made that work, uh, but they were very invested in their kids' lives. They were there talking through issues when they come home from school. Mm -hmm. uh, they're spending a lot of time together, so the kids were built up in their faith. Yeah. But if you just send your kids to a, a school and say, "Hey, I'll let the, the teacher teach them," I think you're going to be in for trouble. Yeah. But uh, you know, I think education is more than just the transfer of information. It's developing character, the deeply held beliefs. I think the challenge that the public sector has, you know, there's lots of Christians working in that sector, is it's kind of default agnostic in a sense. I mean, you don't talk about God. You mm -hmm. can't even bring God up. But mm -hmm. yet you think about, well, if God is um, a reality, which we believe he is, and he's the source of all things, how could you not talk about exactly. God? Exactly. But on the other hand, I think there's lots of things we one can do in the public schools a lot more than we realize. And I think 
but it, it's a challenging thing. And the, and the public education system, I think, is in a state of crisis. I mean, financially, but also kind of a moral uh, values crisis. Well, peop I mean, I'm not saying this of every teacher. There are wonderful teachers out there. But the National Education Association is very pro-gay, transgender, you know, pro-abortion. I mean, it's, it's quite the group that I, that I feel bad that Christian teachers have to be part of this lobby. And, you know, Tom, with... Uh, but I, I would yeah, say, I would recommend that a church look to a public school in its neighborhood and reach out to them and... Uh, volunteer. Yeah, volunteer, engage these kids. Mm -hmm. I mean, the kids, a lot of these children come from broken homes and other situations, and that's where I think uh, a great place for a church to be involved in the community is in the local school, to be a blessing to those in the school. You know, Tom, I was going to do it at the beginning of the show, and I forgot, so let's do it now. I always like to ask our guests, how did you come to know Christ? What was your story? Well, I was raised in a Methodist church growing up, but I think it was in junior high school I was in, got involved with the Fellowship Christian Athletes, mm -hmm. and um, there I really heard kind of the gospel in a, a new way, or maybe I was more, I probably was more open to the gospel. And uh, at that point, I made more of a definitive commitment on my part to embrace it rather than just kind of go with the flow and realize that, hey, this is a decision I had to make and I had to be, be serious about it rather than just kind of coast along. Do you think you came to Christ through the Methodist Church or through Fellowship of Christian Athletes? Well, I, I think I would say I made a definite commitment, a uh, personal commitment when I was through the Fellowship of Christian Athletes because people... I never really heard about the notion, well, do you invite Christ into your life? Yeah. And, I mean, otherwise and you could you go And you should have, because Wesley was all about that. Yeah. He founded the Methodist Church, but somehow it can get lost. Yeah, it can get lost. But, uh, no, I think there were things, obviously, the foundation was established. and But, you know, I think other things work in your life in terms of challenges, problems, issues. You become aware of life at a greater degree, and then you start looking for deeper answers. And I think that's where I really saw that Christ was the answer. And then you got into a, uh, tell them real quickly if you would, you got into a Christian community in college. What was that all about? I was in graduate school as a part of a, a, a interdenominational, uh, made up of Catholics, Lutherans, you know, independents. But they uh, lived together, didn't they? No, they okay. no, no, it was just that they did stuff together. Okay. And Christ was the center of that yes. and the focus of it. But people came together, had Bible studies across denominational lines while they still belonged to their churches. Okay. And I thought that was kind of a, a unique experience. It was a very rich because you saw the, you know, obviously you, there are differences, but you kind of, you know, agree to disagree on some things, but yet yeah. what united us in Christ was mm -hmm. the dynamic. And, and there was a strong emphasis on character and discipleship and living in a Christian and life. There aren't a lot of those around the country, are there? No, there's a few. That, that okay. group has some, but, you know, there's variations. A lot of churches maybe function that way, okay. but this was unique because it had people across denominational lines who were serious about their traditions, whether you're Lutheran or Presbyterian or Catholic or okay. Orthodox or but independent. But you didn't give that up. Well, you yeah. yeah. So, Tom, with the, our viewers here, maybe someone has a burden for our culture and they pray for America, and maybe that's, that's what God is calling them to do. They're a prayer warrior. Mm -hmm. But if somebody's watching this show, they love America, but they're grieved by our direction. Do you have any, what can they do? What's your advice on how a normal Christian in this culture can impact it for Christ? You got any specific thoughts on what a person should do? 
Well, I think they need to be praying. What does God want me to do? Mm-hmm. And be, you know, find out about that. I think God, you know, Ephesians talks about, you know, we are saved and he's prepared good works for us to walk in. So we have to ask, well, God, what are the things? Look at your passions, your interests, your desires, and also your, your sphere of influence. Start out right where you are. Uh-huh. Well, what, do you, what can you do in your family? Yeah. Where is your family at? Your children, your parents, your siblings? Are there people you can influence there? What about your neighborhood? Uh, be in a strong church community, which is going to build you up and strengthen you. But uh, Or your workplace. What can I do to bring Christ into my workplace by being a blessing to my coworkers, doing the best job I can? Maybe you can start a, an informal Bible study at your workplace. But I, I think we get overwhelmed when we look at the challenges facing us in the so culture. You've got to start locally, and mm-hmm. you've got to look at your own sphere of influence. You know, as far as political, you know, be informed. You know, we, we have the privilege of voting in our nation. A lot so don't of, vote for people that are pro Yeah, you need to know what's going on. Support people you, you who hold your values and We uh, have gay marriage today because Christians voted in people who pushed gay marriage. So now we've got it all over America today. Yeah, so I, I, think, I think there's a degree to which people get discouraged and frustrated and angry and you just kind of, oh, I'm just going to withdraw and I'm just going to. And that's not good either. That's the last thing we want to do. Yeah. The, la- the other, what we need to be. But we need to do it, I think, in a spirit of love and graciousness. I think Christians should be the most hopeful people in the mm-hmm. world. Th- they shouldn't be angry and embittered. Uh-huh. And if we and, are, and that's going to turn people off. So let me ask, <laughs> do you see any signs of hope for America? Do you see us turning around anywhere? Well, I think ultimately only God knows. I mean, you can look at history and what's happened to other cultures, but, you know, in the Bible, you see examples of societies turning around. Nineveh, for instance. Yeah, who, who would have thought Nineveh could have turned <laughs> around? But uh, I don't know what's going to happen. I think, frankly, you only need a small percent of the people to turn around an, a state, a nation, or a culture. And I think for Christians to embrace and have God's heart for America in terms of wanting to bring the gospel and to care for the poor and the needy, uh, both materially and spiritually. I think those are the sorts of things we can do. And I, and I think by praying, but also engaging, you know, we can have impact. I mean, the results are ultimately in God's hands. Yeah, that's right. We don't know. Life is short. You know, empires come and go. Uh, and I <laughs> and, think... And the church will endure. Yeah, yeah. And Jesus said till the end. Yeah, yeah, and I think, you know, things are changing. I think it's a, a challenging time. Things seems to be... If we're locked into this is the way it has to be, we're going to be frustrated. We're going to be discouraged. We're going to be angry, disappointed. But if you know God's in control mm-hmm. and he's working his will out... Uh, his sovereignty. Um, we can have peace about that, and I can just go about and do what God's called me yeah. to do and be at peace and be hopeful yeah. in that context. You're reminding me of a sign that was on a pastor's desk called to be faithful, not successful. Yeah. Meaning, whether I turn around this culture even a tiny bit or not, we leave that to the Lord. I'm called to be faithful, lovingly do what I can do, and then the results are in the hands of God. Yeah. 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 Uh, Tom, any, because I know you read a lot, uh, any books you would recommend or TV shows or uh, what would you recommend to people that are watching this that are interested in this topic? You know, I think it's one that I, uh, a fellow who, individual, had a lot of influence on my life uh, was Chuck Colson. Mm-hmm. He's uh, dead now. Who, yeah, who mm-hmm. passed away several years ago. But, but he wrote a book in, I think it was 1999, I think it's called How Now Shall We Then Live? 
and he talks about kind of living in a post-Christian culture, but even having a Christian worldview, how to understand issues and society. That's, a, that's an excellent book, I think, for people to read that to Tell understand. Tell me, Colson, once again? Chuck Colson is called how, now that, how, sh how, now, how Shall We Now Then Live? Okay. How Now Shall We Then Live, I think it's uh -huh. But anyway, that would be an excellent book to, even though it's you know, almost 17, 18 years old, it, okay. I think it was spot on, and I, I would really, to help un people understand, because we do need to have a Christian worldview uh, in terms and, of and, looking at the world. Briefly, in a nutshell, what is a Christian worldview? Well, I think it's looking at the world, our life, through the, the values and the principles and the beliefs of the Bible. So you got to read the Bible to get a Christian worldview. Yeah, you really do. <laughs> and you have to understand the Bible. It's not just kind of pick and choose verses. I mean, the last couple of years, I've really felt God's putting a burden on my heart to understand the scriptures. Yeah. And digging into the culture and the, the experiences. And if you dig deeper, you realize there's nothing new under the sun. Yeah. What we're going through is no different than what Nineveh. The, the, yeah, or the Jews were going through in Israel, mm -hmm. uh, living in a hostile culture. The early church, what they had to experience under the Roman emperor, Empire, uh, mm -hmm. Paul and the apostles. Yeah. Um, I, I think digging into that is, is really critical as well. So if, if I can just, you know, it's sad to me, Tom, that the church is supposed to be following scripture. And when you have churches in Minneapolis and around the country flying the gay rainbow flag, which was happening a lot this last summer in Minneapolis, when the church is messed up on this stuff, when people say, well, but my pastor says gay is okay, so he know, he's been to seminary. No, what Tom is saying, I want to uh, just piggyback on. Everybody, read your Bible. There's a saying, the Bible that is falling apart usually belongs to someone who isn't. And the reason our culture is falling apart is because even Christians aren't reading the Bible anymore. I want to encourage you, take your Bible out, put it next to your bed or on your coffee table, read this book every day because like Tom was just saying, unless you as a Christian don't know the Bible and follow the Bible, you're going to have no impact for anything. So, Tom, thank you so much for coming. Yep, good to be Appreciate you. you being here. Pray, pray for Tom and, and us uh, doing this ministry on TV. If you'd like to see all of our TV shows at any time, you go to pastorstudy.org, two S's. Uh, pray for us. We're on all over the country now by the grace of God. If the Lord nudges you to help us financially, uh, you all keep us on the air. You can look at the address at the end of the show, or you can go to pastorstudy.org, and you can uh, uh, donate online there as well. So everybody have a great week. We'll see you next time on The Pastor Study. Take care. Thank you for watching The Pastor Study. You can watch more of our programs at pastorstudy.org. We are on the air preaching the gospel of Christ because of our generous support of you, our viewers. Would you consider supporting our ministry? You may do so at pastorstudy.org. Or write The Pastor Study, P.O. Box 41294, Minneapolis, Minnesota 55441. May the blessing of our one triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit be with you today and always.